Dear Postgrad Alasia, what's next? Don't be afraid to take chances. Postgrads, it's me, Joyce. Today we have Alicia Munson. Yay! Go, Alicia! <laughs> Thank you for being here today. So, Alicia has recently received her master's in social work from the University of Southern California. She's also an associate social worker, which means that she's working towards getting her clinical license. And she also has her credentials in school counseling, pupil personal services. So a woman of many talents over here. <laughs> well, Hi, thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good as well. Um, how is your day so far? What have you been up to? I've been working. I provide mental health services for children, uh, school age, all the way up to what's called transitional age youth. So that's anywhere between like 18 to sometimes it's 35. So I have a couple who are 18 to 20. Um, so I provide mental health services and resources for kids. So that's what I've been doing all day is therapy sessions and all kinds of things. Nice. Um, well, thank you for your work. <laughs> I'm sure thank that you. it's not always easy, but I hope that it's very rewarding for you, just kind of helping these different types of people in their mental health journey. It is. It really is rewarding um, just to see just the growth of yeah. an individual and even just a child just from getting to know them and talking to them. So yeah, it is very rewarding. Nice. Before we get into the, you know, like the deeper stuff, um, I kind of just wanted to warm up a little bit and kind of just check in with you and how you're doing. In one word, how are you feeling right now? Relaxed. That's great to hear. <laughs> and did you have anything that you wanted to acknowledge yourself for from this past week? Anything that, you know, good or bad that you wanted to just bring? some light to? Wow, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> that's great. Let's see. Uh, in the past week, I feel like I've been taking everything in stride. I've been doing really well in adjusting to everything that's been going on, you know, with the current crisis and um, working from home. I think I've been really good at adjusting to that and helping my kids just adjust yeah. to it as well. So I could give myself a little shout out for that. I think I've been yeah. doing pretty good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, I feel like this time right now that's happening, we've never really had to deal with it before. So I'm sure there's a lot of different things coming up from for different people and trying to kind of just make the best out of the situation right now. Yeah, I think what this has brought up is just everyone's home life looks different. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to navigate that and navigate school and navigate, you know, relationships with parents that maybe we didn't have to navigate before or relationships with siblings or, you know, missing those relationships with friends at school. So 
or even just not having, you know, your basic needs met at home. Those are different things that, you know, my kids are navigating right now. And it's a challenge. It is a challenge. But I think everyone has been surprising me with how well they're doing. You know, I kind of was expecting to need to support them a little bit more, but they're actually really resilient and they're awesome kids and they're doing a great job. That's great to hear. Yeah, I think just in like the student sense, the school itself like brings a lot of resources to those kids, whether that's like, you know, meals for breakfast and lunch and like what you said, just like that space to just be away from home and, you know, have those relationships with people that you won't necessarily have at home. Cause I know I felt like, um, that school was kind of like when I was still in high school, I loved being with my friends and like, even my teachers, like they were just somebody that I could really talk to. Like, my dance teachers for the past four years of my high school, like she was just like that type of person that, you know, you can, she, she wasn't just a teacher. Like she taught me different things outside of dance. And like, it's just those relationships that you don't really get unless you're in school. So like being taken out of school and like not having those relationships might be hard. Right. And I agree with you for sure. There's, you know, adults in schools that are doing just really amazing work. Um, and I had that too. Mine wasn't a dance teacher. Mine was a choir teacher, but you know, she, she was awesome too. And making us all feel welcome and we're a family. We had a home away from home. And so I just want to give a quick shout out to all the teachers out there who are working their butts off with these kids at home and all of my mental health professionals and social workers who are working the front lines as well, providing all of these services to these kids and doing just really amazing stuff. So I see you out there. (laughs) Thank you for your service. (laughs) So um, did you want to just give us like a little quick background of your undergrad journey? Uh, Where did you graduate from and when? And also like, what did you graduate with? I went to the University of California, Riverside, Um, got my bachelor's in psychology from there, and I graduated in 2017, and then I attended USC to get my MSW um, and graduated 2019, last year. Do you feel comfortable talking about that period of your life, like in between post-grad and your master's? Um, How did you come to that decision in like, oh, this is what I want to pursue and this is how I would like to do that. It's really interesting to think about that because I feel like if there wasn't a bunch of like little decisions that I made that I wouldn't have gotten to this point. And it's funny how life works out that way. But I was working in um, a research lab at UCR campus, a psychology lab um, under Dr. Yates. And there was a grad student there who had her MSW. And, you know, I hadn't really heard of an MSW before. I didn't know anything about social work. Um, I thought that social workers were the ones who work for CPS, you know, the baby snatcher idea, which now I know is so far from the case. But, you know, that was my idea, being a psychology undergrad. And after talking to this grad student, hearing her story and hearing how much social workers do in society and just how they work at all levels and work work with individuals as well as affecting policy, I really got interested in that. And so 
I think I was going to take a year off after um, doing undergrad. That was my original plan. But then I like to call it my winter quarter crisis a little bit. So the winter quarter before I graduated in spring quarter, <laughs> I just made a split second decision just to apply to grad schools. Um, last minute ones that were open um, were a couple, including USC. All of the UCs were closed, applications are in the Cal States as well. So I was just like, well, I'm gonna apply to wherever I can get in and maybe I'll take this as a sign that if I get in that I'm supposed to be doing this. Aww. And so, you know, I applied, I turned everything in super quick, got all my stuff from my professors and filled out the applications, did the essays, turned it in, and then I ended up getting in. Um, and I did, I got into um, a psychology master's program and then I got into, you know, the social work program at USC. But once I got into USC, you know, there was no question about it. I was like, I'm, I'm going, this is it. So I just kind of took a leap of faith. Congrats. <laughs> really. <Thank you. laughs> Shout out to your past self of just being like, let's just put everything <laughs> out there and what we were Yeah, I just put it in the universe. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. So during that time, um, when you were kind of just like, for lack of better words, like just hail marrying everything, like, I don't know what to do. Let's just do this and whatever I receive, I receive. Um, did you kind of have like an idea of like what success meant to you? Like in that point, were you thinking like, this is what I need to do to be successful? And do you think that has evolved from where you are now? I definitely think the idea of success is subjective, meaning that it really depends on kind of what's in front of you, what's available to you, if all of your basic needs are met, or if you have just the privilege and ability to kind of about kind of the bigger picture, then that's great. Some people don't. And so success for them just means putting food on the table. And for other people, success is past that. So I think all of those different levels and think of something different. So yeah, at that point for me coming out of undergrad, my idea of success was, yeah, I need to go to grad school to be successful, to have a psychology degree. There are things you can do, but for what I wanted to do for my life, I knew that I needed a higher level degree in order to make that happen. So I had to make that decision in order thinking to myself, that's what I needed to be successful. Um, now that I've kind of gone through all of that and changed, I've definitely seen how my idea of success has changed. So from high school, my idea of success was good grades, graduate high school, go to college because I wanted to make my family proud. I thought that's what needed to happen in order for me to be successful. Now I've changed and more thought about success being about the effort I put into things makes me successful. Um, Am I enjoying what I'm doing? That means I'm successful. Um, and then the impact and legacy I leave personally and professionally with people yeah. is more based on success. And as long as I'm doing those things, then I'm always going to be successful no matter what I do. That's great. I like that you kind of, you know, touched upon like the success when you were just fresh out of, you know, undergrad. I think during that time, it's really I mean, basically, like, up to that point, everything was kind of just handed us, handed to us. Like, get good grades, okay, graduate college, and then after college, go to college, or no, 
graduate high school and then get into a college. And then after that, you're kind of just left like, okay, like no one really told me what comes after this, like what it's not laid out in front of me anymore. There's a lot of different things that we can pursue at that point. So I, I, I feel like I felt the same way, to be honest, the past, what, maybe like 14 years of just being in this like educational institution where everything was basically like a checkbox, like check, check, check. And then you just go down the line. And then at the end, that was like what success meant for me too. But I think again, like this, I feel the same way. Like for me right now, like where the word success just means like, how am I living like it's not even about me anymore it's it's like bigger than myself now um i think that there's so many aspects of life that you can be successful in like whether that's you know your relationship in your with yourself your family your career your friends like there's so many different things that can play into the word success that it's not so simple like getting 4.0 GPA. you know right what were some challenges that you faced during that period of your life um, when you were transitioning from undergrad into your master's? Like, were, was there a big difference in the structure of, like, the curriculum or, like, just how school was for you from undergrad to getting your um, master's? So there definitely were a lot of changes. Some some of the challenges and changes in some of them were definitely hard. And I, I can talk about the hard one first. I think one of those things was I felt so safe in my undergrad um, with all of the people that I met and the relationships I formed and the life I had made there that having to kind of transition into a new environment and change again, I have, a, I, I can recognize now that I have difficulty with change for sure, as most people do. And so having to change and go to a place where I, I didn't know anybody, um, I had to move back in with, you know, my mom and my family after coming off of living on my own and providing for myself for so many years. And so that was a challenge, you know, feeling kind of um, restricted a little bit and having to live with my family and work through that, you know, being an adult versus them kind of thinking that I was still a child or a teenager. So that was hard. And then I felt lonely for a good period of time, you know, especially that summer or that first semester that I was in grad school, you know, I, I didn't know anyone yet. Um, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what my program was and what this new life was. So it was, it was definitely a struggle. Um, but thankfully, you know, I was able to find people, uh, like-minded people. I was able to feel more comfortable in my program. And I think that was something that was different, uh, from undergrad. My program was actually very much designed to be personal, um, to make us all feel connected to each other. Um, it was made for us to network and be professional, but it was also there to help us kind of break down who we were and get to know other people. And so once I got more into my program, it just became a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also what was great about my program was I was really doing and focusing on what I actually wanted to do. And it was designed to help me hone in on that instead of an undergrad, even though you're working on your major, you know, there's still a lot of general studies you're doing. There's still a lot of 
things you're trying to figure out and there's not really anything too specific about it yet. And so going into grad school and being able to really focus on my interests and focus on what I wanted to do and being around people who had the same mindset was amazing. And it was definitely a life-changing experience, I will say. Well, first of all, thank you for, you know, showing or first of all, thank you for just being vulnerable and sharing those challenges with us. Um, I definitely felt the same way as you. I think that summer um, and that, you know, that period of your life right after graduating from undergrad, there are a lot of feelings like negative feelings, like loneliness and sadness and I know for sure that I also struggled with moving back home and getting that sense of freedom like taken away from you. Um, I felt like when I moved back home, it was so different. Like I lived there when I was what, 18 and I came back when I was 21 and I, I was just two different people, you know, like 18 year old me right. and 21, 22 year old me, it just felt like I grew out of that place called home. And so many things happened to me, or so many changes happened throughout my undergrad career that I felt like when I moved back home, it was really hard to just bring those changes back to a place where you, it was like familiar, but also like it didn't feel like I was meant to be there anymore like I kind of outgrew the place if that makes sense it does I can understand that and I think I felt kind of the same way and it was definitely an adjustment um for me and you know my my family to understand you know who I was now versus who they remembered me being and making those adjustments and navigating that and I think it took a little bit but we were able to come to an agreement and it's all about communication and respect, but you know, it, it was, it was a challenge for sure. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was hard. <laughs> I also really enjoyed listening to you talk about like the little community that you built at USC with your program. It sounded like a lot of you guys, you know, like during the process of getting to know yourself and, you know, getting to know each other in this like, small space, I guess, um, you were able to make those relationships and connections with those people. I'm sure that in college, like you also talked about how you you felt very safe with the people that you were familiar with in that space. And so coming out of that was really hard. And, but I'm really glad that you, you know, made that same kind of little community, but in a different space now and with different people. Right. And I think a part of that was just, I didn't actually self, you know, when I came out of undergrad, I thought I did, but I, it was about being comfortable standing on my own two feet and being by myself for once. You know, I was so used to living five minutes away from my friends or right down, like right next door, you know, to my, my bands and, being also being on a dance team, being in a group of people and us having this shared identity, I didn't know what my identity was without that. And so I had to figure that out. And I really truly believe that until you truly understand yourself, it's difficult to make true connections. You can't do that, but it's a lot easier when you have a better understanding of who you are. Yeah. 
in what ways were like what kind of things did you guys do to or did you do to really get to know yourself like were there any resources any practices that you implemented within your life that really gave you that you know deeper knowledge of who you were definitely um because you know i was my focus was clinical practice was mental health not all social workers do mental health but for me it was and so in order for us to learn how to do those techniques we had to actually practice them on air and role play and actually use our real stories to do it mm -hmm. and so some of those practices um i really like mindfulness um, mindfulness is a practice just about um, being aware of the present moment and aware of your feelings and your thoughts, but also acceptance of them. Um, and, you know, not wanting to push them away, but just accepting them and understanding where those are coming from and just taking a moment just to slow down. I'm a person who I'm go, go, go. I always have been. Um, I've always been like, what's next? I can't sit still. And so actually having people force me to sit for five minutes and think to myself, that was hard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at first, but it really forced me to kind of take a look at myself and look at how I was treating myself. Like I'm not giving myself a break. I'm not giving myself time to breathe. So that was one thing. Um, another thing was just being comfortable with my own biases. So they made us kind of look at, you know, the biases that I grew up with or that I have that I'm noticing that are definitely affecting the way that I professionally and personally interact with people. So mm -hmm. I, one of the first things like my supervisor for my internship that I had to do in grad school, she helped me recognize right away that I had biases against males for one reason or another, you know, I have my own personal issues um, with males. And so she actually forced me to have male clients <laughs> when I first <laughs> started as an intern, you know, she was like, I'm going to challenge you. So let me give you male clients. And um, just openly talking and being vulnerable about our life experiences. We did a lot of um, things about culture. So being about being a worker is about also cultural competency, which means understand not necessarily knowing everything about a culture, but at least being someone's culture can definitely affect the way that they respond to different things. Yes. And that someone's culture is important, that diversity is our diversity is important to recognize. And so we did a lot of that as well. And so we did a lot more, but all of those things I think were really important and helped us feel connected to each other through our vulnerabilities. I feel like what just stuck out to me the most with all those practices that you mentioned was mindfulness. I also share the same, like I'm that... My mind just goes like, go, 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 go. What's next? Okay, cross that off my to-do list. What's next? What do I have to do next? So it's very true. Um, I know that in my, I mean, I'm still like working on it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I feel like, but it has gotten better. I've noticed that I am able to just, I used to be the type of person to be like, oh my God, I feel sad. I don't want to feel sad. I need to do something really like right now so that I don't feel sad. And instead of just sitting with those negative feelings and really trying to see where it's coming from, why it's there, 
um, I just kind of brush it off and then be like, okay, I don't want to be sad. Let's do this. But I think through mindful practices that you mentioned, I was, I'm really able to just kind of sit with those feelings and allow myself to feel it, whether that's, you know, for an hour, for a day, like however long I need to feel that way. Um, and during that time, it does allow you to get to know yourself even more. Um, you realize things, or I realized things that I was like, oh, I didn't really know that people who speak to me that way makes me feel this way, you know? Like, right. yeah, it's like little things like that that you notice about yourself. And I think with that, like, once you know, once you're aware of those kinds of things, it you show up in your relationships even more fully and you can set those boundaries with your with other people and say you know like for that example like I don't appreciate you like speaking to me this way I would like you to speak to me this way like from now on or you know like little things like that right and in mindfulness is a part of self-care and that's something I forgot to mention. We did a lot, a lot of self-care things and I, I don't even think I heard about self-care until I went to grad school, but now it's like, I'm always like self care. Like I, I'm so invested in making sure that I am doing everything I can to take care of myself. And I think it's a lot harder than people realize to do that. And it's, it takes work. It definitely takes a lot of work to be mindful and do self-care but with practice, it gets better. And also with both of those, you know, you don't have to make a big production out of it. You don't have to do, you know, you don't have to sit and do the yoga pose for, you know, an hour. You don't have to sit and meditate for an hour. You don't have to do that to be mindful or do self-care. You could brush your teeth mindfully, you know, like you can eat mindfully. Like it's yeah. just about being aware and present in the moment. And self-care, it can be anything that makes you feel good. Anything that just your body good, does your heart good, does your soul good, whether it be cooking or I like, I like to call them my, my, my hygiene Sundays sometimes. So I, I'll, you know, I'll do my eyebrows, I'll do my nails. I'm taking a bubble bath. You know, I'm making sure that I'm together so that when I go into the next week, like I, you know, I don't feel off, I feel together. And so that's just one way that I do it. But you know, everybody should have a list of things that they're doing for self-care because sometimes one thing that usually works isn't going to work. So you've got to move to the next thing. Um, but yeah, definitely self-care as well. I like how you brought up the, like, I feel like when people think about self-care or when it's mentioned, it's very, I think that term has become very commercialized. Like people think of self-care. Okay. Face mask and this is this, like, it's something that is used more like lightly, but I like how you brought the idea of how it's more than just, you know, painting your nails. It could also be cooking. It could also just be like painting or drawing anything that makes you feel, you know, like taking, giving yourself like extra TLC. That's, I feel like that's right. what it is. It's about boundaries as well you know, setting professional boundaries, making sure like for me, when I'm done with my work day, my work phone is off, my computer is off. I'm not taking calls or emails for work over the weekend. That's another self-care, making sure that your boundaries are being respected and set. 
Or it can just be something as simple as, you know, after you're done with today, just taking five minutes to decompress, no screens, just sit there with yourself and see how that feels. So whatever it is that makes you feel whole again. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love, I, I think I thrive off of taking that time for myself. I've been this person that just goes and goes and goes that now that I've learned to slow down and listen to my body and tend to what it needs, I think those are my favorite like time now instead of being the one to be like the most productive. And, you know, I mean, it feels good too to get things done, but I think I'm at this point where I'm like, you know, I don't need to always be at a hundred percent going 200 miles per hour every single day. It's also okay to kind of slow down and take some time to just, you know, do anything that I want to be doing. Right. We all want to be superwoman or Superman, but it's okay not to be okay. Like it is okay not to be okay sometimes and recognizing that. Yeah. I love that. Um, did you want to brush upon what you are currently doing right now, um, in your professional life, um, in your personal life, anything? (laughs) Um, so professionally, so like I said, I provide mental health services. So I'm a therapist, um, for school age children. So my youngest right now is nine and my oldest is 20. Um, And I just, you know, meet with them weekly, provide mental health services. I do case management, which means, you know, linking them and providing resources to whatever they may need, whether it's helping them do a resume or helping them, you know, get through their classes, helping them find a job, whatever it means for them to help them be successful in the sense of um, improving their functioning. So a lot of people don't think about this, but mental health, is really connected to everything else in your life you know when you go into therapy some sometimes when you go into therapy you're just focusing on like what's going on in your brain um but for a social worker our perspective is different we tend to look at the whole picture of a person and the person in their environment so understanding that if a person doesn't have food, if they don't have clothes, if they don't have a place to live, they're not going to be able to sit there and talk to you about their feelings for a whole hour because they're stressed out about where their next meal is going to come from. So making sure that that stuff's taken care of and helping them with that while also talking about their feelings and getting that through so they can be the person that they want to be and be stable in a place where they feel like they can do what they need to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm doing with kids right now. I, I'm a school therapist, so I'm in the school setting. Um, so I work throughout L.A. County, and I'm at different schools in different school districts. And so I have kids all over the place. Um, but, yeah, it's a really amazing thing. I get to see just all stages of development. I get to see all walks of life. Um, there's been challenges, of course, and I love being challenged. I feel like if you're not being challenged at work, um, then it's going to get boring, and that's where burnout happens. So I'm very grateful to be in a place, an agency that's challenging me and teaching me things, and I'm constantly learning something new every single day. Um, and then that's also just supporting me 
with my goals and ambitions. And right now that means, you know, getting my license and being a therapist and I'm being supported in that. I feel great with that. Nice. I think, um, you mentioned being, having different clients in different school districts and stuff. Do you find a difference in kind of what comes up for your clients based on where they're at in the school district? Like, does that make a big difference in the whole picture? Or is it just like something that very minuscule, like it's very small in the picture? It definitely can. And like I said, you know, culture plays a big role in some of the issues that I see with kids Mm -hmm. um, because certain cultures maybe put more emphasis on perfection or some cultures put more emphasis on they don't put emphasis on school at all. And so the motivation to succeed in a school setting may not be there. Um, and even just the amount of resources and things available in schools between the settings can definitely affect how a child is doing. So I work in different settings. I, I work across low-income children, but they are all in different types of school environments. And so I have some kids who are in more structured, um, it's more obviously the school is more well-funded. And then I work more in charter schools and other schools that, you know, they're being funded by nonprofit organizations who work so hard and tirelessly to provide the kids with what they need, but maybe not are able to provide that extra step that maybe the other schools I go to can provide. There is a difference in what I see with, with, how some of these kids function because of that. Um, and there, there are, there are discrepancies in our school system. And I think we all can agree on that. Um, and so I think with more of the schools I see that have more resources, I see, um, I see more, like I said, the perfectionist aspect, you know, they have access to more like AP courses, they have access to college level requirements. And so there's a lot of pressure that goes with that. And so I, I see a lot more of that happening. But with more of my, you know, my charter schools or my schools that maybe are a little more lower income, you know, I see a lot more maybe family issues. Um, as far as, you know, poverty, I see a lot more um, children who feel like they have to grow up faster than they need to. There's a lot of responsibility there as well. And I think there's just a lot of responsibility in our youth right now Mm -hmm. that they're taking on a lot more than I think they need to as children is what I'm saying. That's crazy. Cause I feel like in those, like all those kids that are kind of, you know, everywhere, um, they all have, you know, like, is, do you find that they all kind of want the same thing? Is there like a common ground in what they want to achieve in life, no matter where they're at in the school dis- district or in their family and stuff like that? I think there's a lot of similarities. I think what all of us really want is just to feel accepted and to feel loved to feel safe, which is what, you know, I see across the board, whether that means feeling safe to share your feelings with your family or feeling safe as in physical safety, having a place to lay your head that's safe at night. But at the end of the day, you just want to feel safe. You want to feel protected. 
Um, they want to feel like someone's listening to them. I feel like a lot of kids feel like they're not being heard when they talk because they're kids and nobody wants to give them their space to actually voice their opinions or their thoughts or like I said, what they're feeling. So having somebody sit there and listen to them, I've seen is very valuable. I've been, I've heard so many times across the board, like I've never talked to anybody like this before. This is the first time someone's actually sat and listened to me. That's amazing that you're, I feel like, yeah, I definitely have that, those share those type of feelings where you feel like you can't really speak up because, you know, you're seen as young and you're seen as like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about yet. You're so, you're so young, like you have no idea and stuff like that. So I'm really glad that you're giving these kids the time and space to just, you know, listen to them and help them out in anything that they need help with. And just, you know, just being, being there for them for support and just someone to listen to. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I mean, I could go on and on about, you know, my kids and everything that I've seen that kids go through. Um, But it's just, it really just takes like one adult, one consistent adult to make a difference in a kid's life. And I see that every kid has potential. There's no such thing as a bad kid. There's just a kid who's maybe dealt with some bad unfortunate circumstances, but none of them are bad themselves. And so I just want to kind of change that perspective. You know, I, I, I don't like the idea when, you know, people say a child is bad or defiant or, that's a hard kid, you know, they, they take that and they hear it and they internalize it. Mm -hmm. And if we can change that perspective and let them know that they are worthy and that they are important and they have that potential, sometimes that's really all they need. And sometimes they just need to hear that from an adult who cares. Mm -hmm. I love that. And these are the things that you're kind of trying to pursue when you're trying to, when you're getting your clinical license, right? Yes. So right now I work under a, a licensed clinical social worker, so an LCSW. So she has her license already, my supervisor. Um, and so I have to work under her um, for supervision. But once I get everything I need, I take all my tests. I have a couple to take. Um, and I'll be in her position. I'll be in LCSW as well. And I'll be able to provide like full on therapy. I might be able to have my own private practice, things like that. Nice. Um, and is that something that, like, what is the bigger picture for you? What's, what's next? What are some things that you want to, what you are currently working towards? So after my license, um, I do plan on eventually getting my doctorate in psychology. That's something that I really want to do still. Um, but another thing is just having a social work degree, having an MSW, it kind of opens so many different pathways and doors for me. Um, Social work is such a broad and diverse field that I can go a bunch of different ways. And that's kind of the beauty of it. You know, I don't know where my head's going to be in a couple years. (laughs) Um, But the fact that I have the opportunity to just move on and grow and do something different is great. So for right now, I want to get my license and then maybe try, you know, a different position or 
move up in my agency or even, you know, try a different um, population to work with. I have a lot of interest in um, commercially sexually exploited children as well. So kind of looking into that maybe, um, but always for right now working individually or face to face. Eventually though, I do want to step up and I do want to have my own nonprofit that kind of mixes the performing arts and mental health. Um, I did something last year at my internship where I did an expressive arts initiative where I really wanted to bring to light how um, expressive arts can have just a great impact on children's mental health. So that's kind of the bigger picture eventually I want to do is have a nonprofit that kind of does that. But of course, that's my head in the clouds. That's later, but it's on my list. (laughs) That sounds also great. Um, I love that you're incorporating arts into mental health. Like, you know, I feel like art can be very expressive. You can tell um, where your head's kind of at based on the type of art that you're creating, whether that's through painting through dance through acting singing you know so many different types of arts so that's great right mm-hmm. in what ways um did you want to continue growing with all these goals in mind so for me i always always want to be growing i always want to be a student i don't ever want to stop learning i've always loved learning and i think that shows and the fact that I want to continue my education, but also I, I just want to be challenged and learn in my professional setting as well. Um, as far as growing personally, I think just overcoming all of the obstacles that I have to face, just me being intersectionally, you know, a black woman and, you know, being educated and having to in all of these different situations, you know, I'm constantly challenged with stereotypes and barriers and people overlooking for different things because of their expectations. And so I just plan on growing in my ability to take space, to not be afraid to do that, um, to be able to listen to my own gut and my ideas, you know, without fear of judgment. Um, and I have a really large feel that fear that I've discovered is you know, not wanting to disappoint others or, you know, not being successful like I wanted. And I talked about what I see success as now. And so I think with that new idea, that won't be a fear anymore. But I definitely want to be more comfortable inserting and asserting myself in environments that maybe seem unwelcoming or just challenging. And I want to keep doing that and have presence and purpose. Um, And then really just making my own voice in my own way in everything. Yeah. I love the part where you said like taking up space. I also have kind of that, you know, I feel like sometimes I want, I feel small or I tend to make myself smaller in so that others can also take up space where in fact, you know, it's okay if I take up as much space as I want. And, you know, me doing that doesn't take away from somebody else's, you know, because that's their own. I'm not in charge of how they're showing up. You know, I can only show up for myself. Yeah. Right. And I think I see, don't, 
quote or at me on this, but I think Tyler Perry said this. He said, if you don't have a seat at the table, make your own table. Mm. So that's what I plan on doing. So places that maybe weren't made for me as a black woman. And I've kind of seen that going into, you know, higher levels of education and just more higher levels of professionalism. You know, those positions weren't initially intended for me. They weren't intended for a woman of color. You know, they weren't intended for someone who's outspoken and maybe has a different perspective. And so not really trying to mold myself to have a seat at that table, but just redoing the whole table. Yeah. Yes. Make your own table. And, you know, with that process, like you're also creating a whole table for other people who didn't feel like they belong in that table, in your table. So it's just like opening up doors for other people too that were once in your, in your shoes. That's great. Right. Once you open the door, you know, other people can walk through. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's just getting that sense of confidence you know um maybe confidence is not the right word but just allowing yourself to be comfortable in those uncomfortable positions are the those times where you do grow the most you know and even if you know another door closes like that just means you know another one will open so right i love that Okay, well, I think that's pretty much it for our interview. Um, Did you have any last remarks to our audience? Anything that you want to share with them? I just want to say for, you know, all of the grads out there or anyone who's considering, you know, continuing their education, continuing their journey, do it. You know, whatever it is that you want to do, just do it. Don't let fear, don't let doubt, don't let anything stop you. Just take that plunge because you really can never know what's going to happen unless you do it. And if it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to, great, at least you did it. But if it turns out that it was a good idea and it was a good decision, then awesome. You made a big move in your life. So just do it. Yes. Nike. Just do it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think um, with that, I'll definitely take that into, you know, into heart. I'll put that in my little mailbox in my head of things that I need to remember. So thank you for that. Thank you again for taking the time out of your day to, you know, share your journey with us, teach us a few things and just, just talking about what you went through in your postgrad career and even sharing with us what you see yourself doing in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, this is great. All right. That's it. Postgrads. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Um, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey there, postgrads. Thank you so much for tuning in this week's episode with Alasia Munson. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and gained some knowledge about her journey and career. I especially enjoyed our topic about mental health, so I'd like to challenge you this week to take aside some time for yourself to tend to you and your mental health. What type of activities do you like to do to recharge? Are there any specific rituals you do for your physical, 
mental, and spiritual self? Share with us your favorite mental health activities through our Instagram at Getting Grounded Community or in this episode's blog post on our website at gettinggroundedcommunity.org. We thank you again for all your love and support. We'll see you next week. Bye!